0: Hello and welcome to Inclusionomics, a podcast that provides tools to all women who are challenged with finding or having access to positions of power. We help you navigate the path to being seen, being heard, and being included. Everyone is welcome here. It is an inclusion podcast after all, and we hope that you're here for all of that. Today's topic is, You Should Have Asked, and your hosts are Stacy Gordon, that's me, Lisa Gates, and Thiele Thatch. Today's topic is simple. Everything is negotiable, even if you've been told it isn't, or think it isn't. And today, we're going to talk about ways to ask for what you want.
1: So here's what I think about asking. One of the most persistent themes in my work with clients has been this feature this this one element of the ask which is i didn't ask for flexibility or for um remote work because i really need that to do whatever you know to um have the life that i want have the life and career that i want and i'm always telling people i don't think that's going to be if you're a if you are a senior person going for a senior role, whether it is the director role or a uh, VP role or a senior director of X, the conversation shouldn't be had. You don't want to ask for permission to take time off, to do whatever, to work remotely, to have flexibility. Um, Certainly you should be looking at the policies and all of that of the organization, organization you're going into. But when you're talking about making an ask, you don't want to ask for that. You want to assume that. Right? You, you, you want to assume uh, uh, flexibility. You want to assume remote so that when you roll into the job that you get, you teach people how you work. You teach people how you lead. So I want to I, I just want to say I, I, I want people to think about not asking for flex, not asking for remote but assuming that. And so that goes into the language of your conversation when you're negotiating for a role.
0: So then we're talking about when you're starting or when you're in the beginning, right? Of of I think there it's easier when you're in that space, when you're interviewing and they're offering you, they usually say that's the point when you have the most power, right? Is at that yeah. point. But I think what happens after, what happens after you have the job and now you realize I really would like some flexibility and this is where it comes in which is tough and what sparked this whole conversation because for many of us I won't speak for everyone but I'll speak for myself many times I don't think to ask not because I don't want to ask but because i feel like i'm not allowed to ask i feel like the deadline has passed i've missed my opportunity i should have done it at this point it's already been you know somebody else asked previously and they were told no right so i feel like i can't ask how do we get over that Uh, well
1: first of all is to acknowledge and say it straight out just like you said um, you know, when I took the job, um, I assumed certain conditions, assumed certain things, and there were, you know, very detailed things about what, what is and what isn't. Here's what I'm really seeing, um, and, and here's what would help me do my job better. Here's what would help me accomplish the goals of X, Y, and Z that we're, we are um, poised to deliver in the next quarter or the next whatever time period. Um, So as part of that, what I would like to suggest is X. Um, And X is two days of remote um, uh, or a flex time schedule of some kind, right? So just because you've said yes to a role that didn't initially have any flexibility, any remote, any any flexibility of any kind doesn't mean that you can't then initiate the conversation uh, anew and start to design that for yourself.
0: I think that's a good point. Now, Thiele, you know, in your role, have you had people come to you and ask you for those oh, yeah. types of... Uh, well, let's,
1: let's clarify, I mean, what 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 Thiele typically does. Oh,
2: what, well, yeah. as in... Yeah, I'm an HR practitioner for over 20 years. And the first person that people would talk to when they're considering what they're going to ask for, whether being hired or trying to move up in the company. And I I mean, I definitely have learned from being an HR person that you don't have because you do not ask. Ask and you shall receive. Um, And most of the employees that have come to me in fear that, they're going to be rejected for what they ask asked for. Um, they don't get what they ask for because they don't ask. But the ones that I agree with Lisa 100% because people who assume, well, of course I'm going to have Friday off, or of course I'm going to have flex hours. They get it every time, every single time. And um, I, learned, I learned from these employees, uh, you know, working with them, you know, you just do it and ask for forgiveness later if that's the case, but you expect to do it. And, I, you know, one other powerful thing that I've seen in my career, and even on a personal note, is when you ask and you get it, you, you can change the entire policies. Like if there wasn't a mm-hmm. policy, you can create a leave policy. For me, there wasn't a diversity department. I created a diversity department because I just asked if we could have pizza and beer for... The um, LGBTQ community, and it became an entire diversity department because I, you know, I'm like, hey, let's just do it. And I didn't really ask, honestly, when I did it. But my point is, that's been my experience. And honestly, the people who don't get anything are the ones who don't ask and they're waiting. For someone to ask them, and they're like, "Well, I come to work every day at five a.m. and I stay till ten a, at p.m., and you should know that I should get a promotion, and you should ask me." And nobody hears.
0: Right. I think that we have the there's a there's a sense of a little bit of sense of self entitlement that we have to bring into the equation. Which many of us we feel that we're, we're being selfish or we're being a bother or we're asking for too much. And I think that somewhere we have to do those affirmations, right? That say, I do deserve it. I am worthy. This is, you know, something that I should receive and understand that um, it's okay to ask for these things. And not only just ask, I think there is a big difference between asking for it and assuming that you will have it.
2: Now, here's a, here's a thought that I learned when I was having a difficulty at work and I was in one hole and I had a woman challenge me with this. And you think about it, if you're so insecure and you don't believe you should have it, then maybe you shouldn't. And that, somebody said that to me one time. They're like, well, I don't know. And I'm, happy, you know, I'm hanging at home. I'm like, I don't know why they treat me like this and I don't know if I should have this. And like, so, you know what? If you're that insecure and you have all of these doubts, then maybe you're not in the right place to be promoted because you're not the right person for you know you need a certain level of confidence to get what you're asking for and you don't have it so maybe you shouldn't get it right and i i that was a rude awakening for me personally i'm like maybe you're not ready to be in that role
0: so maybe this is something you need to get you need to find a mentor right this is i think you're not ready anyway right you can't this is one of those situations where you cannot have a sponsor until you have a mentor to help you get over this confidence right, issue. Right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. Mm-hmm. right. That's, that's good. Yeah,
2: and it's not time. Maybe here's the other thing. You ask for something that you're not ready for, then it'll, 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 be, a complete, yeah, it'll be a complete failure, and you've missed your opportunity. Because now you've complete... Now, I'm all about failing and getting wrong. I believe in failing all day long. But if you get a a promotion prematurely and, um, yeah, it'll backfire. You'll you'll end up losing your job entirely. I was just talking
0: about this with someone this morning. We were talking about this exact thing that sometimes you ask for something and you say, oh, God, I really need this and I, I really want this. But you've spent so much time asking for it that you haven't spent nearly enough time preparing for it.
1: This is the double-edged thing, though, about um, I I think especially for women, um, and probably double down, double down, triple down for women of color. Is that um, we're always asking women to to prove what they have done in order to Position them for the next thing, as opposed to knowing that you have a, a set of skills, a set of talents, a set set of strengths um, that that that, regardless of the fact that you performed in that capacity, could set you will set you do does set you up for being successful in that new thing. So it's like, as opposed to. Um, um, you know, um, the, 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 the trope is, what have you done? How have you proved yourself? Or how am I, how are you positioning yourself um, for this next role?
0: But this is why you do need that mentor or at least that group of people who can say to you when you start doubting yourself and you say, oh, I'm not ready, they can say, yes, you are. You did this. You did this. Don't forget about that. Like put all these things together and they help bring you out of that mental place that you're in that says, I'm not ready. I'm not worthy.
1: Well, so, that's all culture. That total culture. Um, so like, you know, the the... The, again, the trope is that women um, will not position themselves for a role unless they have a hundred percent of the qualifications, while men will like take two or three of the aspects of ten and say, "Yeah, I'm the dude," um, and 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 get forward, you know, forwarded in interviews. Well, that's actually not data it's not research it's not this is this is um kind of like a hysteric. It, it it's um, it's bullshit there is no research that says that women um only apply to jobs where they have a hundred percent of the qualifications there is nothing in the literature in the research that says that
0: okay this i'm gonna have to go back and look for that because i know i've seen it You've so, seen I've, it a have I, times. I've seen it said. I guess um, what I'm trying to figure out is have we yeah. not seen it sourced? Has it we, not been nope. cited we from anywhere? We've never
1: things? seen it sourced. We have never seen it sourced.
0: Mm, and and I wonder
2: if it was just someone we, else we just believes
1: that bullshit. We believe it. And so when we ask for things that are outside of the realm of possibility or the or of culture or of gender or of whatever. We we kind of, you know, travel back to that original incident or that the original mindset, thinking, um, uh, you know, that this is what we don't do. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 whatever you want, whatever you um, need, whatever you um, um, want to create in your work life in your next new role all of it is negotiable all of it is a conversation all of it is is fodder for a conversation um, in, in in that next adventure there there are no like like break I think what what I'm saying is break down the rules let's break down the rules of our perception of our thoughts about what we, are capable of what we want, what we can do, and just start anew with a new conversation about what's possible.
2: Well, I mean, sometimes you ask for something and it becomes pretty clear that you have resistance. So, I mean, you can ask and you can ask and you'll ask your boss and that person will literally laugh in your face. Or you ask, and, you know, you get the chuckles or you get the eye rolling and um, what, you know, how do you handle that? I mean, it's almost like ignorance is bliss for me. Um, I didn't know. Honestly, there were so many times I didn't know I shouldn't ask, but then there was so just, I guess, 50% of the time where when I ask, people just laugh like, ah, you'll never get that. Ah, that's funny. What about okay? That?
1: So my response to that is that what we have been educated, um, how we how we've been brought up as children, is um, where we're learning a subject, and the teacher asks us a question, and we need to get the right answer. So we raise our hand and we say, "Well, it is this," or. I think it's this. And you either get a yes or a no. That's not critical thinking. That's not critical that, that is not critical thinking. That's not teaching that inspires critical thinking. The teacher might have said, what do you think might have been best? What do you think, um, you know, you know, where would you might where where, where do we take this? Right? So in negotiation, what people fail to do almost 90% of the time is to ask questions that dig down deeper into the resistance. So if somebody says, that's just like a ridiculous idea. I don't think we can do that. And we just go, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I know that was a dumb question. Uh, Sorry for asking, but the the great negotiator, the great asker is going to say, well, that's curious. How come? Why? Why is that your response to my question? Why can't we have two more employees in this group on this team to accomplish our goals? What, what, you know, what are the budget constraints that I might not be aware of? Um, uh, or if you're asking for some feature in your, nego- your new role in, uh, in, in, in your job-seeking negotiation, how, you know, asking just every point of resistance needs to be met with curiosity, a question. Why? How? What makes that so? Or why is that not a possibility here? What would make that a possibility? What? Right. So, turning no into curiosity is the biggest um, determinant of your negotiation success, of your request, your ask.
2: Yeah. It sounds so good, Lisa. I just went on a diatribe. Sorry, I know, but I'm just—it was good stuff, and it sounds so good, and it sounds so practical, and it makes sense. But from the HR standpoint, I hate to be cynical. It's like you become the squeaky wheel. That's what (laughs) you—that's what you're describing. Like, why? 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 Oh my goodness! And they answer your question. But then they label you as pushy or aggressive or annoying. Annoying is the worst one because you can be pushy and aggressive and get a promotion, but be annoying and and you don't have any friends. And so, well, how do you deal with that? If you you know, well, why? Well, what about the budget? And, oh my goodness! You want to make an enemy? Ask people about the budget. And so, I, I hear what you're saying, and it sounds really great. I'm just wondering, is there a level of privilege that
0: you have to have in order to make that work? I was going to say that, yes, for people of color, they don't have the, they don't have or have not had traditionally. I don't want to say they don't. So this is what happens. Traditionally, people of color have not had leeway to ask those questions. When you ask those questions, you were considered snarky, you're considered annoying, you were considered a busybody, you were considered challenging authority, right? Because you need to be put in your place. And I'm sorry, but that is what you get a lot of that. How dare this little black girl come and question what I'm doing, right? A lot of that happens. Now, over time, has that been changing? Yes. But here's the problem for us as as people of color. We don't know in which situation that has changed and in which ones it hasn't. Yeah. And so it is up to the company to make that clear, to say we actually want to hear everyone's opinions and then actually give people second chances so that if they do say something or they do try something or they do innovate and it's a problem, we don't automatically say, okay, get rid of that person because we are not used to getting second chances. Many of our counterparts get those second chances. We don't and our livelihoods depend on them. Not to say other people's livelihoods don't, but... When you look at the, also the what wage gap, about, right? So, um, so Yeah, I'm just going to say, this? let me finish this part, Lisa. When you look at the wage gap, right? Many people can be out of work for a longer time period. It might be okay for somebody of a higher socioeconomic status to be out of work for two or three months. But for other people on that chain, they can't be out of work for that long. So they don't have that ability to be that squeaky wheel because the squeaky wheel doesn't always get the oil. The squeaky wheel sometimes gets the hammer.
2: Wow. Hammer, man, I never thought about it that
0: way. The wheel, uh, Lisa, what do you think Lisa about this? well the, the the raised nail, sorry, not the squeaky wheel, the raised nail.
2: <laughs> I saw the hammer beating the wheel. That was really a visual for me. So what do you Kenny, think, go ahead, Lisa. <laughs> what do you think
1: about calling it calling calling the potential bias out? By who? <laughs> well, okay so 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 uh, let's say uh, I'm trying to think of a situation um, you have been excluded for some from something that you should have been participating in. you should have been a contributor to, but they didn't include you. the yeah, they. I see. Right? It's, it's, uh, the same, uh, so, it's the
2: same situation. Well, let her know. finish the scenario, though. i so Let's, sorry. let's, let's
1: hear it, Lisa. Well, I'm, I, I'm just saying, so so if that has happened, um, do you call it out? Can you call it out? Can you say, hey, you know what? This is not okay. Um, um, yeah. Often I say to, to women that I work with, coaching women in the workplace who are dealing with with politics um, and exclusion and variations on that theme is how willing are you to bring that to the fore, to, to call that out as a dynamic in what you're dealing with. And I'm not saying make your life miserable or make other people's lives miserable. I'm saying, like let's just call it out for what it is, so if you've been routinely or currently excluded from this important decision for no other reason than other than you know uh being female or being green uh, uh, uh you know you can't really ascertain that that's not something you can ask and get after but but you can say you can say why am i not being included or you know why is a very
0: charged question i was going to say yeah why is a, is a tough one so um,
1: if you can use who what when where how instead of why how could you have included me um what is it that made you Um, You know, make this decision.
0: Maybe it's something like, should I have been included in this meeting? Yes. Something like that. Right. Like, but, and, and so I know what I'll hear is some people will say, but it happens routinely. Well, because yeah. you let it happen routinely, I think is what you're trying to say, Lisa. Right. So it's like, okay, the first time it might've been a mistake. The second time was probably on purpose. So if you let it go more than two times, then you get to a point where you're like, Oh my goodness. Now, if I say something, it's going to seem weird because it's been happening all this time. And I didn't say anything before, yeah. but I think yeah. that's where you have to get over that and say, well, you know what? I'm now noticing it. I am going to say something. And it does have to come across you know a little more caustic it could be caustic it could be it but, but you know what that's where i think we need allies i was gonna say you've got to go to somebody else too and ask sometimes you know i just had a conversation with someone the other day and i said listen if i'm being a jerk i need you to tell me because i trust your opinion so if i'm wrong in this situation please tell me and i will go fix it and apologize And that's kind of how I took that tack. So I think you can do the same thing and say, look, I'm noticing this, and this is how I'm taking it. Am I reading this wrong? Would you take the situation the same way?
1: Uh, Or or just like, you know, let's say that there's dissension, there's disagreement about a a, a potential direction for some strategy in your company, and you're going into a meeting and you're going to discuss this. It might be great, given your experience of being excluded, denied, did, you know, whatever, um, to, to say to ex-ally, hey, listen, have my back on this. I'm going to propose this kind of a solution. What do you think about that? Um, have a conversation with them. And then, and then have that person forward or repeat or second your, your, your idea. So, so, you know, asking, I think, is closely allied with influence, right? Hmm. Building influence, building
0: connection,
1: building uh, appreciation, connection with people.
0: Yeah. I mean and it is, it's build it's building that consensus. You know, sometimes if you need the flex work, going back to that one, maybe yeah. you're not the only one who needs flex work. Maybe you go talk to a couple of other people who are also frustrated about it and you say, Okay, yeah. what if we go together as a group and say this is something that we need for our department? So, yeah. you know, create yeah. consensus and build, you know, bring people with I
2: mean, there's a fine line between consensus and factions. And then a lot of time people see you as still creating a faction of people who are going against the grain. You're a troublemaker. I'm not trying to be a negative one. I'm just telling you, it looks looks good on the outside, but then, you know, you're good, bad, or indifferent. You're creating some type of reputation for yourself, and you have to be careful. I know for me in my career, I was told numerous times over and over for years to stay in my lane this is great, but we're not interested in this right now. You need to stay in your lane. Just focus on this one thing. You're focusing on too many things. There's no need for you to be in that meeting because you need to keep your focus here. You need to mind your why, business. Is why are what you focusing say. on corporate uh, affairs when we need you to be in the field? And I said, be in the field doing what? <laughs> Which implied other things to me. So, anyhow, I'm just saying. <laughs> It sounds great and I believe you. I really do. But bottom line, you have to have professional courage as a person of color and you have to be a risk taker. You do,
0: and you have to know your audience. So I think that's the piece. You must know your audience. So you do have to have a lot of stuff. Yeah. You got to have an idea of how. It might be taken within your workplace because, as I said mm-hmm. earlier, some places will be open to hearing you out, others will not. And I think you know when you're in that environment, right? Like, yeah. you kind of have an idea. And so, this is not what really I feel work like we're
2: saying that. I was just going to say, I feel like we're saying that what Lisa is saying is not going to work. I think it, what you're saying does work. Yeah. I just think there's just a different lens for people of color at times that only. I can only speak from a personal experience that I've experienced. And um, I don't know, it's just America and we're going to hopefully get into this our next season with race and racism and more the detail. But I just think it's systematic. It's so deep and it's so... It's like, stay in your place. Well, there's also a time and a place,
0: right? But there's also a time and a place, right? So there's a lot of things that come into play. And so, yes, we have to be better about asking. But I do want to swing back to something because this one was bugging me. Um, I had to look this up while we were all chatting here. And I said, okay, let me just do a quick search on the internet. So this is what I found. Because when we said that, there is no source for the fact that women, because you know me, I'm I'm a recruiter at heart. I love the career development. That's what I do is helping people get into jobs that they want. And so the whole, you know, bias in, in recruiting and barriers to hiring just tick me off to no end. Um, and we are told that women will only apply to a job when they're like 100% qualified and that men will apply to a job when they are 30% qualified, right? Or 50% somewhere in there, those numbers change. So I looked it up and what I found um, was that actually that study, and I I, I use air quotes when I say study, (laughs) came from a Hewlett Packard internal report. And what happened is it got quoted in Lean In, it got quoted in the confidence code, it got quoted in a bunch of articles, and so really there was not a, a real study done. That's it right. just came from something that was done by Hewlett Packard. But what's even more interesting about that was they said that if you look at the numbers, what was actually happening was people weren't applying because they believed they needed the qualifications not to do the job well, but to be hired in the first place. So what held them back was actually um, what held them back from applying was not a mistaken perception about themselves, but a mistaken perception about the hiring process. And I'm like, yes, because that is exactly what we're always talking about, right? A rework work is the fact that your hiring process sucks. So what they see is they see that you have a hiring process that is standard and that is unmovable And there is no way for them to come in and shine and show that, hey, I might not have had this exact title, but I've done this work before and I would still do this job really well. And based upon your recruitment process, they make the determination that there's no point in applying because it would be useless and they don't want to waste their time and energy. And I thought, wow, that's what's actually happening. That's interesting. (laughs) So I just wanted to say that.
1: Yeah, like you know, what? What? How, how does this feed into the ubiquitous horrid applicant tracking system process?
0: I know. Well, and and so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. Like, I think we could come up with all kinds of cool things about that. Um, I want us to stick on the Just Ask, but I wanted to address what you said about the not having a study because I'm pretty sure everyone who was listening went to go Google and go, wait, what did she say? Because <laughs> 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 I know I thought it. I was like, wait, what? Um, so I just wanted to address that because I think it was it's really important and it's something that we hear a lot. Um, so going back to the Just Ask topic for a moment though, I think what we're saying and what Lisa, sorry, what Thiele um, kind of summarized at the end, there is the fact that, yeah, what Lisa is saying works. But there is a but, there's a time and a place, and you have to know your audience. And you also have to have your own reputation because you know what if you have not been doing your job and you 're not and you're a slacker and you 're not well received in your organization you can 't just walk in asking for things right no. you actually need to be a stellar employee like there are things you have to do you can 't just expect your your employer to just give and give and give right there is a give and a take so I think there's there's so many things that go along with that. But what we're saying is if you have been that employee, you have been doing what you're supposed to be doing, and you know that this is something that you need to be a better employee, then you do have the right to ask and you should ask.
2: I think what we're talking about too is, um, you know, you can ask for something, but and you can get it. So I've seen people with less qualifications get it because they may have asked someone who's at such a high level that they can give it to them. They really don't care. They just want to give it to them. But um, it's I, what I'm trying to touch on is meritocracy, where people think, "Well, I've earned this. I can ask for it." When what I I don't think meritoc I don't not, not, let me rephrase that meritocracy does not exist. And so you're thinking, "Well, I will ask um, when I've earned enough merit, and then they'll definitely give it to me." But I've seen people with less experience than me, um, less time at less tenure than me, less time at the company. And they get it. And I didn't get it because I didn't ask. So I don't know. It just depends on the culture. I do know. I shouldn't say I don't know. It depends on the culture. It depends on the environment. It depends on the relationships. I've seen um so I'm just going to try to say this as nice as I can without being politically correct either. But just, you know, if I, if there's a man in power and he wants the attention of a young woman, sometimes they'll get it, right? And that's maybe because I work in entertainment a lot. You know, I've seen that where we have a lot of men in power and they just want to be able to say they were able to move people and places and things around to impress Mike. these young women. Women or men, right? Not just women, right. But just, right. And so I've seen people get what they want using what they got,
0: right? Well, and that's a that's a different thing, right? We're talking well, about but like that's the
2: thing I've been using. I mean, like, we're not yeah. saying it
0: doesn't happen. We're just saying we're okay. not we're not telling people to go out and do that. <laughs> well, if they want, why not? I think I think the thing that
1: just I think the thing that, dis- <laughs> the thing that distinguishes our asks, um, what we ask for um, is our ability to tell stories, to support what we're asking for. So like asking really is um, has to be aligned with storytelling, has to be aligned with these, these um, examples of, of, of how their skills and their strengths and their talents relate to that outcome that other people want to
0: achieve. Okay, well I have an ask. <laughs> uh, so this boy. ask is for our listeners. I know we went a little long today and I'm hoping that you stayed with us. And my ask is, because this is our final episode for this season, my ask, our ask, all of us, is that you listen in the next season. Um, we have had a lot of fun with you guys and, um, you know, it's usual. It's delay, Lisa, and I sharing our learning and our experiences with you. And we hope that if you like this season, that you will come back for season two. We don't know what it's going to be just yet. We're going to be having some fun figuring that out, but we have been unstructured. We have been unpolitically correct. Yes, I said unpolitically. Um, <laughs> we've had conversations and explorations and we really, what we hope is that we've made you think Um, And that you'll remain curious about ways that you can be more inclusive in your life and in your work. We've had a lot of fun with this and we look forward to our season in October. So I think Lisa, Thiele, thank you both for joining me on this journey. It has been incredible. And um, listen out for October's uh, season two.
2: Listening to Inclusionomics with Lisa Gates, Philae Thatch, and Stacey Gordon. Visit inclusionomics.net to subscribe and download.